0: One of the biggest criticisms I hear about the Church, both in person and online, is that we aren't with it. The Church simply isn't relevant. We move too slow, and we just aren't in accordance with the times. Well, let's be relevant today then, shall we? Because if you don't think that youth, young adults, and even slightly older adults, Catholic and non-Catholic, aren't talking about this topic this week and in the weeks to come, then you are wrong. Recently, something happened in the state of Virginia that I'm sure many of you never thought you would see happen. Marijuana has become recreationally legal. So, as with every law that is legislated by proper authority, we as Catholics must examine to see if this is what we would call a just law. The way the law in Virginia currently reads as of midnight on July 1, 2021 is that those persons who are over the age of 21 may engage in the legal usage of recreational marijuana. So we must ask ourselves, does this apply to Catholics? Father Kenneth Doyle, a contributor to our own Catholic Virginian newspaper stated, quote, as for recreational use, Catholic moralists in general would be opposed. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says in paragraph 2291 that the use of drugs inflicts a very grave damage on human health and life. Their use, except on strictly therapeutic grounds, is a grave offense, End quote. But note his wording. He says specifically that moralists in general, meaning that there can be valid dissent on this topic and that it is not unanimous or universally agreed upon. He goes on further to cite another authority, Pia De Salani, a moralist and theologian who was recently named Chancellor of the Diocese of Orange, California. And she says, quote, Unlike taking a glass of wine to relax, marijuana cannot be used moderately. Once you've gone beyond the buzz, you actually lose control over your rational functions, end quote. This argument is often used. It's the argument against moderation. Yet, this does not hold much water since legal dispensaries have come into play, and the product being sold is just like any other over-the-counter drug one might buy from the store, in that it has active ingredient information and dosage suggestions on the label. And just like taking an aspirin, it is up to the user to either adhere to or disregard the suggested use given by the box. Now, she even states that it is, quote, after the buzz where one loses moral agency. But by the same argument, this is what the church and the scriptures have always said about alcohol and food. We should not indulge in anything to the degree that we lose our moral agency. Furthermore, even drugs such as MDMA, psilocybin, LSD, and MD- I'm sorry, DMT have all been proven to be therapeutic when microdosing. In fact, in in the 1970s, some psychiatrists began using MDMA as a psychotherapeutic tool. They thought that it made their patients more willing to communicate and participate in the psychotherapy process. Therapists called the drug ADAM because they felt that it returned their patients to a more innocent state. So the simple argument that it cannot be dosed or controlled, or that when one participates in the usage of THC, they are immediately out of control of their mental and, more importantly, moral faculties, is not true. It behooves us also to look at the origins of cannabis in America, because I think the origins are surprising. Did you know that up until 1930, you could buy cannabis products off the shelf at your local pharmacy without a prescription? And then... In the 1930s, things changed. This was the year that the Federal Bureau of Narcotics was formed, and by 1937, marijuana and cannabis-related products had become federally illegal. This organization was headed up by a Mr. Henry Ainslinger, federal employee and outspoken racist. Henry didn't like the Mexican people, so in a propaganda campaign, he conflated immigration and drug use. He made the statement, quote, "...marijuana, perhaps the most insidious of narcotics, is a direct byproduct of unrestricted Mexican immigration." Well, this was the start of the stigma. So I'm not going to make the jump that the reason that most Americans have been indoctrinated to think that marijuana is bad is rooted in systemic racism, but the most outspoken, highest-ranking federal employee that got the ball rolling on the criminalization of marijuana was very racist. Now, maybe you don't like that argument, and that's fine. So let's, as the popular phrase these days says, follow the science. Around the same time that marijuana was being criminalized in 1937, there was a large study done called the LaGuardia Report in 1944. This was the most systematic study of its kind, which included sociologists, doctors, psychologists, and pharmacists. This study found that, quote, cannabis is not only not harmful, it is not addictive, it does not increase crime, it is not personally or physically harmful, and that it can help with many ailments." Now, would you like to guess who did not agree with that report? That's right, our very own federal employee and racist, Mr. Henry Ainslinger. He tried to bury the report. Now, to close the book on Mr. Ainslinger, lest I beat a dead horse too much, He was actually fired from his job in 1962 for having been found that he lied to the courts about the harmful effects of marijuana. A little bit in the future, I'm sorry, fast forward from there, President Nixon had the federal government conduct another study. This study, named the Schaefer Commission, was established with hundreds of clinicians who were supposed to do a comprehensive view of marijuana. They, too, found the same findings as the LaGuardia report 30 years prior. Most importantly, they found that, quote, this is not a gateway to other drugs, end quote. They concluded that it is, quote, more harmful for Americans to be arrested for the use of cannabis than it is from the using of cannabis itself, end quote. Now, one more food for thought in the history department. Why would the US government in the early 2000s apply for and receive a patent for cannabis if it was so harmful? Now that marijuana is legally, legal recreationally in the state of Virginia, we should also discuss the nature of law itself, and laws in general as the Church sees them. For many states have already legalized marijuana by conventional law. And a good man-made law will line up in accordance with the natural and divine law. Unfortunately, many of our conventional laws do not line up with natural and divine law. The most extreme case being the statute that allows for the legal termination of an innocent life in the womb. This is legal by conventional law, but the church can never respect such a perversion of justice such as that. Now, it would seem that the use of a plant found in nature would not contradict the divine law if used properly. Usage is an interesting thing, though, for anything in nature can be used according to God's will or abused by it abused against God's will. God created sex, and it can be used in the right way or the wrong way. God created alcohol. It can be used in the right way here at Mass, or it can be abused. God created steel. It can be made into a plow to harvest food for the whole community, or it can be turned into a sword to kill another human. Just because something is present in nature doesn't mean that no matter how you use it, it's going to be good. We have to use our will and our intellect to make decisions about how something is going to be used. So now let's turn to another thing that we find in nature. Grapes, barley, and hops. These are natural ingredients that have to undergo a chemical process called fermentation to become alcohol. So what do the scriptures say about alcohol? Ephesians 5 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit Proverbs 20 says, Wine is a mocker and beer a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. In Genesis 9, Noah becomes drunk and the result is immorality and family trouble. In Genesis 19, Lot was so drunk he didn't know what he was doing and that led to sexual intercourse with a family member. Deuteronomy 32, Intoxicating wine is like the poison of serpents, the cruel venom of asps. Proverbs 23, For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty. Now, Let's take a look at the scripture verses directed against cannabis. 1 Timothy 4 says, For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected, provided it is received with thanksgiving. Wait, hold on, let me try another scripture. That one didn't really work out. Genesis 1, God saw everything that he made, and indeed it was very good. Well, this isn't going well. Let me try another one. Further in the Gospel today that we read, uh, Mark 7. We read Gospel from Mark 6 today, but Mark 7 says, He said to them, Do you also fail to understand? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile? Well, it would appear that the Scriptures are quite quiet on the subject. The Church opposes immoderate alcohol consumption, something which is legal for those adults of a certain age. The sin of gluttony leads to the same admonition for the misuse of food. It is legal to drink alcohol and eat food, but illicit to get drunk and overeat because it has adverse effects on the human body and sins against the fifth commandment. Now, Pope Francis has unequivocally stated that, quote, drug use is not compatible or incompatible with human life, end quote. So I want all of you who take your Lipitor for cur- cholesterol, your Metoprolol for your blood pressure, and your baby aspirin to not have a heart attack and just flush them right down the drain because Pope Francis said drug use is incompatible with human life. Now obviously that is a bit of a stretch, but everything I just named to you is a drug. In paramedic school, we learned that even the administration of oxygen to a patient is a drug that we have to look for adverse reactions to. Now I think what the Pope meant to say is that detrimental drug use for the explicit reason of running away from the world and its problems is incompatible with human life, and to that I would absolutely agree. We as humans have a history of using chemicals to deal with life though in many different ways. My paramedic instructor used to joke around when we would all come in in the morning with large cups of coffee, and she would say to us, I see that you are all enjoying life better through chemistry. Now, our dependence on substances, be it caffeine, tobacco, or alcohol, can be problematic. And all of these things are very legal and have been for a long time. But we can also use them in what we would call therapeutic doses. There is a big difference between using something as an aid versus wanting to be in an altered mental state where one's moral threshold is lowered and the moral agent is more at risk for participating in sinful behavior. Who hasn't seen a coffee mug shaped like a wine glass and on the outside it says, this might be coffee, but it might be wine? Or a sign that hangs in a kitchen that says, I'd like a double mocha vodka Valium latte, please? Or who hasn't seen a yard flag that says, wine is cheaper than therapy? Now society seems to have an ambivalence toward the social understanding that alcohol is used to unwind, to loosen up, and to let go of stress. Yet alcohol can also be used to black out, become so sloppy that you cannot control your body, and dangerous enough to have you think you can drive well. As I heard a medical doctor say recently, quote, No one ever went to the hospital because they smoked too much weed. Well, people do, but that's because they freak out, not because they're having a medical issue. If you drink too much alcohol, you can end up in the ER with a very serious problem. But if you use too much THC, you just go to sleep." Now, many people find that the daily use of THC allows them to not fall back into crippling depression, and they prefer it to Prozac and other SSRIs that may have many worse side effects than THC does. So again, I question, does the morality of the church allow for someone to use THC as they would their cup of coffee, a cup of wine, or even their Prozac, not in order to get high, but to function without anxiety or fear. Now, I am not a proponent of anyone, or I'm sorry, I'm not a proponent of everyone using cannabis, nor am I arguing that anyone under 21 should be allowed to use it. I am merely pointing out that there might be an undue stigma associated with something that is arguably more natural than other substances that have to undergo fermentation before they can be used or abused by humanity. Something that does not go against divine law and something that is not intrinsically evil deserves to be looked at by discerning Catholics, especially in light of legal changes recently. Now, to my knowledge, no Catholic bishop has come out endorsing the use of THC but I suspect that is more because of PR reasons than it is over any specific issue of morality. To be very clear also, I am not endorsing the use of anything to become intoxicated, especially as tomorrow will mark six years of sobriety for myself. But if we don't start asking these questions and coming up with compelling answers based on Catholic social teaching, and we are going to be caught very off guard when people at home and in the workplace of Catholics start asking these questions. So I'm not trying to change your mind on the subject. I simply would like you to be informed. Have a blessed and happy Independence Day.